Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you can save. Welcome in. It is Thursday, March 4th, along with Stefania Bell and Mike Clay. I am Field Yates. And today we are diving into our first mock draft of the NFL offseason. We'll have mock drafts every week up until the season mm-hmm. begins, or at least until the preseason begins. And I always find these exercises to be really instructive, right? Mm-hmm. Because it gives you a sense of, if you take a wide receiver in the top five and you're motivated to take a running back in the next round, what running backs are available? Or if you decide to go running back, running back to begin, what kind of wide receiver are you landing with your third or fourth round pick? If you go with Travis Kelsey in the first round, various different things that you can do. But what I haven't figured out, Mike and Stefania, is what's the best way to break down a mock draft on a podcast? Because <laughs> you can't go through every single pick. You can't go through every single team. And Sometimes, three days after the mock draft, it's difficult to remind yourself exactly what you were thinking Mm -hmm. when you were on the clock in the third round because you don't recall who went just in front of you. You don't recall who went just behind your pick. So we're going to do our best to break down this mock draft. I think it's easy, though, what you do. You just you find the best team at the best strategy, and you just work through, and you explain to people how you get it done. So we could just start with my roster here, work player, my player. I knew that was coming. And by the way, I, I here's what I remember. I remember Mike stealing a lot of my picks. Okay. It was so we very annoying. That. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, what All I, right. So we did have, I have the entire draft in front of me on email, which is a very uh, helpful resource you have on ESPN Fantasy, where the minute your draft is over, an email recap of the draft, pick by pick, is sent Right to your email. So let's dive in. The first overall pick, and it's always good to give the first overall pick insight, was Liz Loza, our friend Liz Loza. And I actually thought this was surprising. I don't usually like to dive into the first overall pick for too long, but Liz took Christian McCaffrey. And what's interesting to me is a year ago, Liz was making the case for Austin Eckler number one overall when many many more were on Christian McCaffrey and certainly Jonathan Taylor than Austin Eckler, number one overall. And now in a year in which many more are on Austin Eckler than they are Christian McCaffrey for that number one pick overall, she goes to Christian McCaffrey. Any thoughts on this one? I was a little bit surprised, Mike, and, I, and it's, it's a totally justifiable pick in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a tiny role for the 49ers at all. But the tiebreaker that I continue to point back to for Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler is that when Christian McCaffrey is on the field, or at least he and Elijah Mitchell are both healthy, it was, at least last year, a very different utilization for him. Yeah, we've talked about that. Uh, McCaffrey's usage and fantasy output was completely different. Even his targets were down when Mitchell was there, but especially he was splitting goal line work and uh, was actually out-carried by Mitchell in those games. That bothers me a little bit, but at the same time, it is Christian McCaffrey in this 49ers offense. It's hard to be critical of it. I mean, personally, I'd go Justin Jefferson and then Austin Eckler and then McCaffrey, but... I just think there's a, a little bit of a limiting factor there with McCaffrey to some extent, but at the same time, it's Christian McCaffrey, and he's going to get his 15-plus well, touches and a ton of targets, and he's going to be fine, right? It feels like a, a very high-floor pick, and I'm okay with it. I was going to say, in that offense, not only was he super involved in the passing game, but it's the yards after the catch, the opportunity to do that in that offense. And, you know, because they don't overutilize him, that actually, think I think, helps his long-term value. Uh, and maybe maybe she was scared off by the Austin Eckler conversation about wanting to be out of the tr- or at least seeking see, oh, 
seeking potential trade partners. Yeah. Obviously, that hasn't happened, and we've talked about thinking that he very well could stay in, uh, I keep wanting to say San Diego, with the Los Angeles Chargers. But may- maybe that little bit of uncertainty of not knowing where he might be um, factored into mm-hmm. it. Okay, so let's uh, dive into these picks then. So I, I just uh, I'm I am always amazed that, or during the off season, the number one question that I get from fans that I happen to see somewhere in public say, "Who would you take number one overall?" Right? Not like, all right, let's let's dive into like your fourth round strategy or like what are your thoughts on Adam Thielen's potential role in Carolina, changing teams for the first mm-hmm. time in his career. Right? It always circles back to number one. So I thought it was important to note that. Let's go ahead and look at the first four rounds. And I had the fourth pick, so I was the first of us three to make a selection. So this is interesting, though. You're picking fourth. Yes. Who's, who's, your, number, who's your number one player on your board? Uh, Justin Jefferson. And who's two? Uh, Austin, uh, Cooper Cup. Oh, C- Cup's two. Okay. Yeah. So you're starting receiver. Okay. I, yeah. I just I wanted to ask in case it was the guy you picked because you're at four and yeah. you got, I got number arguably three the number one yeah. overall so pick. So I yeah. got Austin Eckler number four overall, yeah. which I was surprised to see him there, but it's in line. I mean... You know, I'm not surprised be because, surprised. It, full disclosure, Tyler Fulgham is picking third, and we know he's taking of Ram and Cooper Cup is there. So. Uh-huh. They go off the board a little bit. So Tyler does go Cooper Cup. So it goes McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. I take Austin Eckler. Yeah. Didn't have to think too much about it. Mike, no you're up at six. And here's where I think it's it's a very – it's a I, mean, I would have taken this player, too. He yeah. was my other consideration at number four. But just because he's new, dive into your thought process. Yeah, he's uh, num- my number three running back, and it is Bijan Robinson, there the rookie. Go. And the criticism here is always, how can you take a guy that's never played a down, right, at, the, at this early, right? Um, well, here's your answer. I mean, you look at the top ten running backs picked in the past decade. They've all been top 15 in fantasy points per game. Almost all of them have been top 10. Three of them were top five, Saquon Barkley and Todd Gurley yep. being two examples of that. So, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about that at all, like the lack of experience. He's, there's a reason to take him in the top 10. He's going to be a featured running back in an extremely run-heavy offense, and we don't have to worry about a lack of receiving. The guy is an outstanding pass catcher as well. He can do it all. Uh, they, they didn't take him. They took him to essentially be Arthur Smith's new Derrick Henry plus pass catching uh, it maybe not maybe not 350 carries, but maybe 260 and 50 catches, right? So I feel great about this. There are so many questions with these running backs in the first two, a couple rounds this year. It's just a, a bit of a, a changing of the guard at, the, at that position. Bijan, I have very few questions with, other than he hasn't played it down yet. The guy's the real deal. So I'm more than happy to take him in the middle of the first. Yeah, I think we've learned in recent years, though, that when there is a no doubt about it running back or a guy who's drafted high enough that it suggests there should be no doubt about yeah. it, that he's going to have a real chance. Like the question about him not playing before really shouldn't be a question. Stefania draws the 10 slot, which Didn't like the it. bad news is you're at the end of the first round. The good news is you're at the top of the second round, Stefania. So take us through your first two picks. Yeah, I didn't love this spot. You know, sometimes I like being at the turn. Uh, I didn't necessarily love it uh, in this group, um, probably because a bunch of smarty pants in this draft. And so I, I <laughs> and didn't... And t- also Tyler. Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tyler, we love you. Um, so I, I didn't necessarily feel like I could execute any particular strategy. I was just watching my picks get sniped in front of me. So in the first round, uh, I thought I might get Bijan Robinson. I didn't know how how much people would be willing to risk on a rookie running back. So he was my one. And then I thought if he's gone, uh, Saquon Barkley. Because mm-hmm. I wanted a running back who is going to be involved in the passing game, who has a clear-cut number one job and is going to be on the field a lot. So... I felt like if Saquon Barkley was gone, I was going with wide receiver, and that's what I did. I went with Tyreek Hill. Um, you guys know that I've talked about taking Travis Kelsey if, if it was the right spot for me, and I debated this. 
I really wish I'd been a few picks down in the draft, you know, not the first pick of the second round. But uh, my feeling was at that point, I still wasn't, you know, I didn't feel any differently about the running backs than I did one pick earlier. And Mm. I thought I'm going to test this strategy while we have a chance to test it because it is a mock. And I want to see what happens if I take Travis Kelsey here. So just knowing that he's on the field and he's going to be, as you already said, the number one receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, like he's going to score fantasy points. Kelsey went 11 I somehow overlooked that he. I mean, I was picking at the other I side. I know you so hate I miss, this. I know you hate but this. But that's no, no. I don't. I think that I'm surprised he lasted that long. Because I thought he'd go earlier. Here's the thing: that when I always think about it at the corners, I always feel like my picks are going to look like reaches. But you remember when you're taking that second pick, like you go, you know, tenth and first round, first and the second, that you're going to wait basically twenty more mm-hmm. picks before you get back to anybody else. So. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, good. I, I mean, that's great value yeah. on Kelsey. So great value. We'll, we'll dive into how Stefania addressed her uh, running backs a little bit later on because, of course, going with those first two non-running backs obviously leads to uh, less depth available when you come back at three and four. Mike, give us the rest of your first four-round picks. So you took, to begin, Bijan Robinson. You had the sixth pick. You circle back around, and you go with your first wide receiver. Yeah, I, uh, actually, I go back-to-back on wide receiver here. felt really good about it. Two guys that should uh, could potentially be top 10 wide receivers. And CeeDee Lamb, yep. of course, he had a breakout season last season. He's still young, tons of volume. Love CeeDee Lamb. There's not, you know, I don't have to say much about him after what we saw last year. He's a certified wide receiver one. And then Jalen Waddell, I mean, he was awesome last year. His production, his role completely changed from the year before. He was number one in most efficiency categories at wide receiver. Yeah. And that is with horrendous splits when Tua was not on the field. That was like six games. His numbers were awful. He didn't score a touch. In fact, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle had 15 touchdown catches last season. All of them were with Tua. Is that so right? the six games wow. he was not, he was out or just played a few snaps. They had zero touchdown That's catches wow. yeah. in those games. That's unbelievable. So think about what his season could have looked like had Tua made it the full season. And obviously we're expecting and hoping Tua is a full go for this season. And if you assume that, I mean, it's got, I mean, it's on for Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. And of course you rounded off with your quarterback in round four. Yeah, I did. I took, uh, I took Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think that in 12 team leagues, especially you're going to see Mahomes, Allen, Hurts start to come off the board at like the yeah. late two, early third. So to get Hurts in the fourth, uh, I was surprised. I, mean, I guess I'm not shocked in this group in a 10 team, but to get him group. in the fourth, nope. I'm more than happy to go that direction. Uh, and uh, just to give you an example of the value on that, three picks later, our friend Tyler took Lamar Jackson. So I feel like getting Hurts, like three spots ahead of Lamar Jackson, is tremendous value. I do think that there's starting to be a bit of buzz, and I think there's some reasons to understand this buzz and agree with it, that because Lamar now has his contract settled and because the vibes are better in Baltimore right yeah. now. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. I'm starting to hear more and more people make the case 
that old Lamar Jackson is back and we could have a quarterback That's one fair. season upon us and that no matter where you take Lamar, you could instead find yourself with a value. My next three picks, again, Austin Eckler to start, rounded things off with Amon Ross St. Brown in round two. Love the that. other two wide receivers sitting there were Jalen Waddell and A.J. Brown. I went with the volume play as opposed to the more likely big play touchdown threats. And then I, these, these next two picks actually felt boring to me. But based off how the board played out and how things look for them right now, I feel like I actually know what I'm getting out of these two. Joe Mixon and DeAndre Hopkins, who in our last episode, we talked about Joe Mixon being a draft winner and the fact that they did not use a pick on a back until the fifth round. He should be good for 250 or so carries and somewhere between 40 and 50 catches once again for Joe Mixon. And then DeAndre Hopkins, as of right now, it seems like the winds are blowing in the direction of him going back to To Arizona. Arizona, And I know that the quarterback position is a question mark for them right now, whether it's Colt McCoy, whether it's Clayton Toon, the rookie, whether eventually Kyler Murray is back or not. But what we saw last year is even without Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins commanded perhaps the biggest target share in the entire NFL. Like, as long as he's on the roster, no matter who's playing quarterback, I expect 150 or so targets for DeAndre Hopkins if he plays 17 games next season. Uh, Stefania, let's go to your final two picks because I mentioned no running backs in the first two. And you took one with your third pick. Yeah, I took Jameer Gibbs. And I was I, really That's the, fun. the draft capital yeah, that is. we was the thing that put me over the edge with him. Because mm-hmm. I think he's got the talent. The Lions committed to him with that draft capital. Obviously, DeAndre Swift, we knew that he was gone at this point. And I felt like he's got an opportunity to make a lot of plays. And I just didn't love, I told you why I didn't love the running backs at the first round. And yeah. I decided to just bail until then. I thought he was the best available for me in terms of upside, certainly. And then uh, my fourth pick, I went with T. Higgins. You know, obviously solid receiver and excellent offense and um, just adding to my receiver depth. Really no surprises Mm -hmm. in the first few rounds other than like a couple of like, hey, this guy went a few slots higher, but really nothing that was like totally out of the ordinary or unexpected in the first four rounds. That tends to be the case when you're playing with a bunch of people who get paid to do this for a living, right? So no surprise that things went rather chalky. Let's talk about the Jets, though, because the Jets' offense will be one of the most intriguing this year in fantasy football. And Garrett Wilson lasted until the third round, sixth overall in the third round. He goes to Eric Moody. He goes right behind wide receivers like Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown, and I believe just behind Jalen Waddle, who you took mm-hmm. um, in the third round as well, Mike. So um, I would say, like, third round for Garrett Wilson, my answer would be, That sounds about right. A guy who last year had this incredible season, won the Offensive Rookie of the Year with one of the worst catch rates amongst the highly targeted wide receivers in the NFL, plus only four touchdowns scored. I know Mike has reminded us several times over that he had a lot of end zone targets. Not all end zone targets are created equally, which is a nice way of saying that Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson and Mike White. Wow, so really? an ascending play. You're going you're to go I mean, out. You're going to go out on a limb on that one. Yeah. I will be on with Stephen A. later on today on first take to discuss this. But yes, I'm you're, willing... you're going on after Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Snoop and I will be talking about yeah. it too. Behind, uh, it looks like Stephen A. is out in L.A. So I, mean, I guess I'll have to catch a flight uh, yeah. out to L.A. Yeah, to make point. sure we can make that one happen. Uh, but Brees Hall, this is where I think things got more interesting because no real debate about Garrett Wilson being a you know a top thirty to thirty five overall pick, if not a little bit higher. But Brees Hall is really interesting, and Stefania, on Tuesday's show, we talked about Javante Williams and how concerned you are about that knee injury. No ACL injury is zero concern, 
But on the spectrum, it feels like Brees Hall is a less concerning ACL tear. Well, I think everything to this point has suggested that he's on track and doing well. And mm. the Jets certainly seem optimistic that he can be available by week one. You know, Rich Tamini, who covers the Jets for us, had indicated that they don't expect to see him um, playing in any preseason games. And that always concerns me. I understand people like, don't put him out in the preseason. But at some point, you have to prepare yourself for the sport that you're about to do. And the only way to do it, the final phase of rehab, we call it, is getting in games. Well, if you're not doing that till week one, chances are they're not going to be running you out there and putting you in for your normal workload of snaps. Like, they are going Mm -hmm. to ease him in. So that, to me, uh, was why I would wait a little bit longer in Brees Hall. There's so much yet that we don't know. And we, I expect that he is one of the he is one of the guys who can get back to his pre-injury form. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. But a lot of that depends on everything that happens between now and the start of the season, and the Jets not getting too excited and overworking him early. Yeah, there's there's going to be three of them guys, right, that we suspect might miss games to open the season. We're going to have to monitor all summer. We're going to be talking about them a lot. One is obviously Brees Hall. Yep. The other one is Javante Williams, who we have a lot more concerns about than we do with Brees Hall. And the third one, of course, is Alvin, Alvin Kamara, Kamara. Yeah. who I took, I think, right after Brees Hall. So, uh, again, his is not injury. His is uh, potential suspension. Yep. We don't have a word on that yet, but... We've all baked it into our rankings, right? He's kind of buried. He went in the fifth round. I mean, if he if if it was all good to go for week one, he'd, we'd be talking about him probably in round two. So let me ask you a question just quickly on that because I struggle with this myself. Is we have all understood the possibility of Alvin Kamara being suspended from this incident that took place at the 2022 Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. so February of 2022. Are you ranking him? strictly as if he is going to miss six games, or are you ranking him for now where you think he would be if he plays all 17 games and you'll adjust later once we get concrete info? Nope, I'm ranking him as if I hedged. So I'm at like three to four games. Okay, I'm in so that range, and, and that shows up in our projections. You Got can it. see that in the PDF and as the games right. played Because I there. struggle with that one because yeah, I think I have him at like RB16, which if I knew he was playing 17 games this year, He'd be higher. Of course. But it's yeah. not like I'd have him RB6, right? Like, right. just based off of his utilization last year, I do think he'll be a much more potent passing threat this year. But they have made some legitimate investments in the backfield. Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams, and his passing volume has dropped over each of the past couple of years. Mm. He is no longer an 80 plus catch per game season, a per season guarantee, right? Which he was for the first four of his career. So it's a, it's a, some of that's just like rankings strategy. And that, to be candid, it's part of the reason why when someone asks you, you know, this player or that player in a vacuum, there's often more nuance to it, right? Like Alvin Kamara in the fifth round could be the value pick of the draft mm-hmm. to play 17 games. Or he could miss half the season and you will be burning a roster spot on a fifth round pick that's not playing for you. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I think being a 10-team league helps there, though, right? Because I came I mean... Like, for example, my team ends up with James Conner and my flex. Yeah. I mean, he could be my RB2 for three, four weeks, whatever it is I need him. And then I'm, gonna ha- I'm still going to have uh, Michael Pittman's on my bench, too. He could, right. he could slide into the flex for me. In 10-team leagues, it's palatable to have a guy like Kamara sitting there on your bench for a little while. So, A couple more Fine. Jets. Alan Lazard, next Jet taken. He goes in the 11th round. Fourth pick. That was me. And my thought process was pretty simple. As of right now, he's the number two wide receiver for the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. And while... I don't know what the volume will be for Alan Lazard. I think he is, A, better suited to be a number two than a number one where he was last year. And, B, when he has been a number two, he has proven himself to be a touchdown maker. He scored a lot of touchdowns for a guy that were, I think, not necessarily just 
coincidence. I think that Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers have a trusted rapport near the red zone, and I expect this offense to be quite a bit better this year, as I mentioned earlier on. So I felt like at that point, everybody in the 11th round is basically a, a, a flyer, right? Yeah. Um, you kind of know what you're getting in him, and I thought that was a reasonable cost to pay for Alan Lazard. I like it. And I like Aaron it. Aaron Rodgers goes in the 12th round, number two overall, to our friend Eric Carabell. The most always, Eric Carabell pick course, ever. <laughs> I actually saw, we did have, well, Mike and I were both amongst the people to pay up for a quarterback. I got Justin Fields in the fifth round, sixth round, excuse me. Uh, there were others who said, we're going back to our old ways, waiting on a quarterback. How much risk do you think Eric incurred by waiting on Aaron Rodgers till round 12, Stefania? I, don't, I, I, mean, I just think uh, it's hard for me to evaluate Aaron Rodgers' <coughs> fantasy value right now because he's not moving as much with his legs. Like, I don't think he gets anything there. Uh, it really is a function of how well does this offense work? How well can they protect him? Uh, and does it click right away with all these receivers? I think Garrett Wilson, I don't. I think that's going to be a no-brainer. I think they're going to get, you know, on the same page. But Alan, and Alan Lazard, I think, is a value in terms of where you took him. Obviously, they have a rapport, so that's not going to be hard. Um, but I, I'm a little concerned about Aaron Rodgers and what he can produce in fantasy. Yeah, I, I didn't love uh, Eric's strategy here. Just, I mean, maybe maybe Rodgers' ceiling is like QB 7 or 8. Maybe he can jump back in there. But he went back-to-back. He waited and went. I think it was Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Yeah. If I'm going to do that, I want a, a ceiling guy, right? So I actually took a second quarterback, which I don't always do. But once you get to the later stages, it's like I'm taking upside players, right? Whether in a normal draft, it's trade capital, whatever it might be. So I took Deshaun Watson, right? Like if, if I'm him, I'm going to wait that long. I'm going to go for an upside player, a guy, you know, the could, that's going to run a lot, that could break out. He took two guys that are probably going to max out as fringe starters, and I, I just don't I don't love that. Yeah, so amongst the quarterbacks that went in the later round, let's call it round 10 or beyond, some of the picks that I thought did have more upside, Mike, you just mentioned Deshaun Watson, that's certainly one of them. I thought Trevor Lawrence was a smart pick in round 11 yeah, there you for go. Tristan yeah. Cockrell, like who not only can win with his arm, but certainly can win with his legs as well. He's not Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, but he is dynamic enough to maybe rush for three, 400 yards in a season if – they incorporate some design runs with the natural scrambles that I'm sure every quarterback will look to take advantage of on occasion. Let's talk some rookies here. And B. John Robinson, we already talked about. Jameer Gibbs, we already talked about as they went sixth overall. Uh, that was Mike. And then Stefania took Jameer Gibbs, 10th pick in the third round. So that is pick 30 overall. Jackson Smith and Jigba goes to you, Stefania, the first pick in the 10th round. And I thought this right here was kind of in the sweet spot for Jackson Smith and Jigba, just behind Jahan Dotson, just ahead of guys like Gabe Davis and Jacoby Myers, plus Michael Thomas. Your thoughts there on Jackson Smith and Jigba? Uh, upside pick. Okay. Uh, just, and just hoping, I know if people don't love him in that offense because you've got DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. you've got Tyler Lockett still, but uh, I still think that there's an opportunity for him to flash at times. I don't think we're going to see it right away, but I have no problem with picking him up and you remember I went with wide receiver early, so I was well set with my wide receivers. I felt like I had who I needed, and he's a guy I can keep on the bench and watch him over the mm-hmm. summer. You know, I was saying this. Uh, I should think Mike and I were having this conversation on Monday. This was off Mike, um, but we were talking. I was talking about how in the NFL draft, I, I love draft grades. I love mock drafts. I also view them as strictly for entertainment purposes. Like mm-hmm. a mock uh, mock draft does not necessarily have any reality to it. Right? It's hard to predict what's going to happen. Draft grades do not mean that a team's players are going to stink or that team's players are going to change their franchise forever. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But one of the points that I was discussing with Mike that I'm a little bit less passionate about than others in our position in the media are is a team in the fourth round takes a guy that 
the rankers supposedly had as a sixth-round pick or a seventh-round pick. I tend to think that you kind of draw a line in the sand every year. Maybe it's the first 20 picks. Maybe it's the first 50 picks. Maybe it's 75. But at Mm. some point, the variance is so dramatic (laughs) that just because I value a player in the fourth round, Mike may value that player in the seventh round. Stefania may say it's an undrafted free agent. That brings you to what we're talking about right now. In these later rounds... In fantasy, a guy that goes in the 10th round in one draft could go in the 13th round in another Mm -hmm. draft, and that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. And so Quinton Johnston goes 11th round, 7th pick, ahead of guys like Michael Gallup, Sky Moore, Darnell Mooney. That was to Matt Bowen, and it's like Quinton Johnston may have a very limited role this year. We have never seen Mm -hmm. him play before, and they have two good receivers. At the same time, those guys are often hurt. Quinton Johnson was a first-round pick for a reason, Mike, and he could start for this team. Like, it's not necessarily a guarantee, but it's not unfathomable either, right? Yeah, Smith and Jigba and Johnson are in a very similar situation in that they're one injury away from probably being on the flex radar, right? And, you know, to Stefani's point, your starting lineup's done, right? You're Mm -hmm. set. I mean, maybe you needed a, whatever, a quarterback or something, but for the most part, your your skill guys are set. You're taking upside picks at this point, right? Potential breakout players, kind of the excitement of the unknown, so... It's the same situation with both of these guys. And you mentioned, like, Michael Gallup, Darnell Mooney going in this range. You know, that where's their ceiling? It's pretty capped, most likely, right? Whereas Johnson's, we just don't know yet. This is a guy that could be a, a superstar in the NFL. The other guys are not. So I'm fine with this. This is the spot in drafts where you want to go upside. Yeah, so upside is important here. I also would just say that, like, I just think that's an important point to hammer home, is that, like, if Johnson had gone to the 14th round, wouldn't have batted an eyelash. If he had gone in the beginning of the 10th round, wouldn't have batted an eyelash. So it's harder to peg. Like when you go to our overall ranks, when I'm working through them, really I feel pretty strongly about the first like 25, maybe 30 picks, maybe a little bit deeper in a different year. But once you get to like pick 70 and it's like, would you prefer like the 6th ranked tight end or the 7th ranked tight end or the 10th ranked quarterback or the 27th ranked running back? It's like, they're all kind of comparable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know what to tell you here. Like, in certain ways, you can make the case for the 27th-ranked running back. In other ways, you can make the case for the 7th-ranked tight end. I'm not trying to take us off the hook here and be a bunch of fence-sitters, but it's often more of an art than a science when it comes to building a roster through the draft. Yeah, and it depends. You might have one thing on your mind going to a draft, like, I'm absolutely getting Kenny Pickett, right? Yeah. He's breaking out. That's my guy. I'm waiting at quarterback. I'm taking Kenny Pickett. Like that was a strategy last year you could have done with like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, that kind of thing. It, if that's your if that's what your mindset going into a draft, you're going to be less likely to attack quarterback in that range and that you might be more likely to take a shot on a Quentin Johnson or a Smith and Jigba. So, I'm with you. You know, there's everybody's all drafts are created differently, you know. Yeah, no two ways about it. So, uh that's the uh where the rookies landed. Three more ended up in the 14th round. Roshan Johnson yeah, got drafted. That was me. That was you. Yeah. So we talked about it on Tuesday's show. Like mm-hmm. you see a case, a chance for Roshan Johnson to potentially have a real role with Chicago. Zay Flowers goes with the second to last pick. And Rasheed Rice of the Chiefs goes with the last pick of the 14th round. Those are the kind of players that you should be targeting late in your drafts. The Correct. guy that he might not have no role, but he also might have 80 catches this season. Those two, those last two guys, by the way, are playing with quarterbacks that have both been NFL MVP in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. A couple of words to uh, pass along here. These mock drafts are going to be available every week 
on ESPN.com. So you can go read them. You can go look at them pick by pick if that is of interest to you. If you want to study how people are drafting, if you want to compare notes about how your draft went versus how their went, how their draft went, all those things are worth keeping an eye on and worth checking out on ESPN.com right now. Often 10 teams. Sometimes we'll get 12 teams in the mix. Sometimes we'll have 14 people if we can get a bunch of people on the horn at the same time. We do them on Monday. They'll available. They'll be available at some point thereafter. Always a lot of fun to do these mock drafts. And when we are in mock draft season, that means one thing. The NFL season is just Let's around go. the corner. Cannot wait for Mike and Stefania. I am Field. We are back next week with news and anything else that could take place between now and then. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you again soon. She's got a smile that'll melt your heart. She's always there to lend a helping hand. Her fantasy knowledge is just the start Her skills are highly in demand She's our Bay Area lady Out there hustling for us With advice that we really trust She's our Bay Area lady Always there to help She's not a cone She's your favorite gal, she's the fun you pick.